Welcome to the Recovery Project Podcast. I'm Canada 2020 Executive Director, Alex Patterson. Today on the show, I had a conversation with Rachel Bendayan. She's the Member of Parliament for Outremont in Montreal and Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister of Small Business, Export Promotion and International Trade for the Government of Canada. As Rachel points out in our conversation, small and medium-sized enterprises make up a staggering 98% of businesses in Canada. And so getting the supports for SMEs right, not just right now, but also going forward, is crucial to a robust recovery effort. Rachel and I talked about the supports available to Canadian SMEs right now, how the impact of the pandemic has varied across sectors and regions, and also what's factoring into her and her colleagues' thinking as they try to envision what the future of work looks like in Canada. I hope you enjoy it. And joining me from Ottawa, it's the Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister of Small Business, Export Promotion in International Trade, and Member of Parliament for Outremont in Montreal. It's Rachel Bendayan. Rachel, hi. Hi, Alex. How are you? I am good. I am good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for joining me on the Recovery Project podcast. Um, as I was saying before we started recording, we were really, really happy that this conversation uh, about small business supports came together when it did, because if you're structuring a recovery effort, one of the logical places that you would start is how do we support small businesses? They are the backbone or one of the backbones of the Canadian economy. So I thought that a good place to to uh, start with yourself, um, who has worked really, really hard with your team on uh, on making sure that SMEs have uh, the proper supports right now, is just walk me through what has the government of Canada proposed for uh, supporting small and medium-sized enterprises? I guess the short answer is a lot. Um, we've been working really, really closely with the business community. As, uh, as you may know, Alex, small and medium-sized businesses make up about 98% of the businesses in Canada. So making sure that the backbone of our economy was able to weather the storm uh, became very quickly a priority of government. Uh, certainly uh, been working very closely with the Minister of Small Business, Mary Ng, uh, as well as the Minister of Finance, uh, Bill Morneau, on many supports uh, that we've put in place. Uh, and one of the things I wanted to, to mention off the top was our new COVID-19 uh, business app, which has all of those supports, um, you know, listed for entrepreneurs and businesses. And we've gotten some good feedback from people like liking the, the notifications and the prompts. Um, you also have Canada.ca, which lists all the support for businesses, but also for individuals um, that, that is getting a lot of clicks uh, and that I'm happy is, is updated uh, almost daily um, and just in terms of before I get into some of the specific programs uh, some of the other supports for businesses that we've been working on includes um, kind of mentorship support. The, the resilience ne network that we established with the Canadian Chamber of Commerce is helping uh, to give free advice to uh, entrepreneurs. There's, um, there's a hotline in place for the next four weeks, which is, uh, you know, giving people access to accounting advice and tax advice. 
really trying to uh, to not only you know support our entrepreneurs through funding, of course, and uh, and program support, but also uh, helping them plan uh, plan for now, plan for their reopening, and 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 plan for the future. So, uh, all of this uh, is uh, quite firmly in place now. Uh, in addition to uh, many of the of the funding mechanisms uh, that have been in place really from the very beginning of the of the pandemic and I, i'm happy to go through those if you like yeah i think let's let's talk first about employers um so what are the tools and resources that you have given uh employers as they uh, weather uh, the pandemic so em employers have access to uh, the wage subsidy, um, which has just been an incredible support. This uh, actually um, subsidizes the wages of their staff uh, to the tune of 75%. Um, they are free to top up the remainder 25% of their employee salaries uh, if they can, but if they can't, that is not a requirement of the program. And over the course of the last number of weeks, what I've been hearing from entrepreneurs is that um, they went and hired back their employees um, who they needed to, to lay off in the, you know, in the first uh, two or three weeks of the pandemic. And, and that's exactly what we were hoping for. Uh, what what we would like is for our, our teams, our, our little you know families or of of, um, of employees to stay together. Um, you know, even for stores that are closed and for employees that aren't working, the ability for those teams uh, to stay intact will mean that they'll be ready to go uh, at a moment's notice uh, as soon as uh, they are able to open up again. And that's um, you know not only important for weathering the pandemic, but also for the relaunches, I'm sure you can imagine. So that's, that's the wage subsidy, um, helping just over 2 million uh, employees across Canada at the moment. Uh, obviously, uh, the you know the the program that everybody uh, has been talking about and and that eight million people are benefiting from at the moment is uh, the two thousand dollar emergency response benefit or or the CERB, uh, and that um, that program you know while it while it's meant to help anybody who has lost uh, a wage due to COVID nineteen has been adjusted on uh, cours de route and so uh, what you see is a lot of part time uh, employees um, benefiting from the CERB uh, if they make uh, less than $1,000 a month. Uh, so that's also uh, something that we've put out there and that is helping employers and uh, employees. The last thing I might mention is the rent assistance program. A lot of uh, entrepreneurs were telling me that their biggest uh, cost after wages was rent. And uh, we worked and negotiated very hard with each of the provinces in order to put this uh, rent assistance program in place. It hasn't uh, been uh, online for too, too long now, but uh, I'm hearing that uptake is there, uh, at least in, in Montreal, and, um, and we're going to continue to monitor that program to make sure that it's responding to the needs of, uh, of our entrepreneurs. So, I mean, it's a it's an impressive um, list of programs that you know came together incredibly quickly. I'm wondering with the benefit of perspective, I mean, insofar as we can have perspective when it still feels like we're still in it, I'm wondering like, what are the gaps? Like, are there still gaps and are there other areas that you feel that the government of Canada can help? Well, one of the very popular programs for uh, small business owners was um, the business account, the emergency business account. And this is 
probably one of my favorite programs, but it also answers your question about gaps in the sense that when we put this program in place very early on, um, it was a $40,000 loan that was accessible at your regular commercial uh, institution. So the bank that you have your, your business account in was uh, literally providing this loan sometimes the same day or the following day from the application because it was 100% uh, guaranteed by the federal government and also interest-free. So um, the, uh, the popularity of this program uh, was there right from the get-go, so much so that uh, as, uh, as I was speaking to entrepreneurs, a couple of gaps uh, did start to arise. Um, in that program or, or this particular loan was accessible only to small businesses that had um, uh, a payroll or an, or an employee base. And a lot of mom and pop shops and a lot of sole proprietors, people who only worked with contractors were telling me that they were being left out. And so, um, you know, those were really difficult conversations to have. You know, you're talking to, uh, you know, a, a tiny boutique, uh, you know, in, in my riding that, that's been there, um, you know, in the Mile End uh, for, for generations, you know, passed from family to family, and they're unable to access, uh, you know, this particular support because they don't have uh, employees. Um, so I was really pleased that we were able to change uh, the criteria for uh, that uh, program. Again, uh, the acronym is SEBA for those who might be listening who haven't accessed it yet. We, we've opened up the eligibility to this $40,000 loan to almost all businesses now completely removing the payroll criteria, uh, opening it up to sole proprietorships. We're still working on a couple of more tweaks, um, possibly opening it up to people who don't even have business accounts. There are um, you know, some farmers and some small businesses that uh, are using personal accounts for their business, and so we're looking at uh, you know different uh, ways that we can support them uh, and each of these conversations uh, that you know that I have and that members of Parliament have around the country is helping us to respond to the needs on the ground of our local entrepreneurs and I, I just I, I feel like it's a fantastic way to operate. Obviously, it would be great if we can roll out perfect programs in an emergency situation. But, you know, in, in some respects, I kind of like the idea of members of parliament being on the ground and actively bringing back what they hear to the Minister of Finance and saying, you know, this needs to be changed in order to help our entrepreneurs. And then, you know, changing it. That responsiveness is really um, what people, what I, what I think uh, gives people confidence in government uh, that we're doing things not only the right way, but for the right reasons. You know, you, you, you talked there a lot about accessibility um, and ensuring um, access to supports. I'm wondering if you can give me a sense of, you know, how that was done. Like, how did you approach the idea of ensuring that um, SMEs, uh, even not-for-profits or Main Street businesses, like, how did you ensure accessibility and are you ensuring accessibility to these programs? Like, what are you balancing when you make these decisions? I think we are ensuring accessibility. You know, when you mentioned not-for-profits, uh, you know, I can think back to a couple of conversations that, that we had um, about what programs should be available to our charities and not-for-profits. And uh, now I think if you'll, if you'll look at, um, you know, the offerings, almost all of them are available to our charities and not-for-profits. And that was very much intentional. When I look at uh, my community and, and communities around the country, 
the frontline workers uh, in this uh, you know pandemic responding uh, through food banks and um, providing you know access to necessary goods and services to our vulnerable communities uh, you know that is all being done by not-for-profits and so uh, the wage subsidy is available to our not-for-profits the the SIBA loan uh, is as well um, and, and I think that that's important because we're responding both to uh, an e economic crisis but also to uh, health and, and social crisis as well especially during um, the period of confinement and isolation that we uh, that we're experiencing you you mentioned vulnerable populations and I think one of the things that that um, raises for me is the idea that the impact of this pandemic um, really is is it doesn't necessarily it's not felt equally um, across sectors and that there are indeed regional differences so I'm, I'm wondering from where you sit and as you design programs and as you work with your colleagues um, if you could just sort of describe the range of impacts on on small businesses uh, across regions and how has that influenced the way in which you have responded we we definitely see um, the the crisis hitting different sectors in different ways. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is the tourism sector. When I think of uh, all of the businesses that rely on tourism, even the hospitality sector and our restaurants, uh, these these particular businesses are having a, a very hard time now. And I think, to be honest, through the summer when uh, they're normally at their busiest uh, due to some of the travel restrictions and, and, and everything that we see in place, they will continue to be particularly hard hit. So uh, we have developed um, some specific uh, responses to that. Our regional development agencies throughout the country um, have been given additional funding in order to support uh, those small businesses and uh, additional funding was just announced uh, this week for our tourism sector um, and that'll get continue to get rolled out so uh, you know certainly that's top of mind for me uh, in, in addition to that though when you when you mentioned regional disparities uh, obviously being um, a member of parliament from montreal i think of how uh, montreal has been um, impacted by by the pandemic probably to a larger extent than most and uh, in Quebec we, we have been experiencing uh, you know a, a bit of a different curve uh, we closed earlier uh, than than most other other provinces uh, and we've also uh, been hit um, a bit harder and so the the economy there has also been hit harder uh, when I saw the unemployment numbers in March uh, it didn't come as a huge surprise to me that Quebec uh, had been hit hardest on unemployment wise and I'll be waiting for for the next month's numbers but I suspect that that trend will continue so the other uh part of your your duties um focuses a lot on exports and imports um i i have not had a conversation um where trade and supply chains and exports and imports and obviously the global nature of this pandemic has obviously not come up so i'm wondering like f from where you sit and and from the conversations that you're having like it's a big question but like what effect has this pandemic had on on canada's trade position 
it's substantial. I mean, we are a trading country. Canada has always been a trading nation. So um, we are certainly reliant on, on import and export. I, I guess um, it's been it's been interesting to to work with uh, with Minister Ng on, on this. Uh, maybe I'll start just with uh, with domestically. Many of our small businesses have been able uh, to um, to make uh, the switch or or to add uh, to their their normal offerings uh, some some online sales, which uh, which has been great. I think small businesses in particular are uh, are very good at adapting, and and probably in some ways we're we're able to adapt a little bit faster than our larger businesses in that respect. And the government uh, has been uh, supporting that move, uh, you know, quite, um, quite strongly. The EDC has free webinars on how to start exporting and how to sell online. Our trade commissioners uh, were very quickly activated uh, by phone and virtually in order to continue to support uh, our entrepreneurs, provide advice, guidance on where to export, what countries might be targeted, uh, and how to go about guessing, getting all the necessary approvals. Um, but you know, I'll be speaking later today to the Canadian Agri-Food Trade Alliance uh, and to the many businesses in the agricultural sector, and I'm, I'm sure they're going to talk to me about how um, new difficulties have arisen uh, during the pandef pandemic. But, you know, when I think of our agri-food businesses, they're the ones putting food on our tables and on tables, you know, around the world, really, uh, exporting, continue to export, thanks to um, you know, the, the work of, of our government, in part, to help keep those supply chains open, to help um, ensure that our uh, like-minded allies and, and countries around the world continue to allow uh, the trade of, of goods and services, even uh, as we close our borders uh, to, to people. So um, I'm anxiously awaiting the import-export data for, for April, but I could tell you in March, we saw a drop of around 10% in both exports and imports um, of both goods and services. So that's something that we'll, we'll continue to follow. Uh, later in June, Minister Ng will be um, participating in another round of uh, WTO uh, discussions with her partners uh, and will be hosting the Ottawa Group um, with respect to WTO for reform. So the Ottawa Group is, um, is really something that Canada has led the way on, uh, as you can tell by its name, uh, with uh, many WTO members uh, who are interested in ensuring that we continue to have like an, an, a real international rules base system uh, for trade uh, and uh, you know it's, it's it's actually quite positive we're we're making good headway uh, even in the midst of this crisis on uh, on WTO reform so uh, so the trade file has been just as hot as the small business file well and, and tying those two things together um, you know that we're recording this for the recovery projects podcast and, and the the idea behind this initiative is to kind of frame up what a recovery effort um, would or could look like not only here in Canada but around the world um, and so I'm I'm curious about your thoughts on what the road ahead um, looks like and and sort of charting that path to recovery what does that look like 
for Canadian small businesses. There's there's so much that weighs on top of um, their success, uh, our trading relationships, our um, our position in the world, our our, our public health um, uh, responses. All of this is kind of interrelated. But uh, I'm I'm wondering that you know throughout this crisis, as as quickly as we have responded to um, supporting the urgent here and now. I'm interested in what you think the road ahead looks like um, as as small businesses and the Canadian economy writ large starts to recover. Well, I think what you what you see in in our initial response uh, in the emergency situation that we've been in is is not only helping our entrepreneurs and small businesses uh, you know weather the storm, but but also uh, making sure that they're able to see a with us through to the other side um, so that we have uh, you know, our, a strong economy to, to come back to. So everything that we've been doing during the crisis for me uh, really did have the idea of the, of the future and um, the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, in mind. Um, you know, our entrepreneurs need to be there in order to continue innovating, in order to grow their business, uh, in order for our economy to, to succeed. But, um, you know, I try as much as possible to see the, the, the economic disruption that we're going through now as, as also an opportunity, an opportunity for us to test our old assumptions about the economy, uh, about the way we live, uh, forcing change, uh, you know, change that we would like to see, reassessing our relationship, reassessing, you know, the way uh, that we value the relationships in our lives, uh, certainly with uh, social distancing I have, um, how we care for our loved ones, uh, who cares for our loved ones, uh, reimagining the way an office works uh, and, and what that place means in our lives. You know, how many people have told me over the course of the last few weeks that they're more productive at home or that they miss their office. You know, these are reflections that I don't think we had before the pandemic. Uh, and then, you know, a big piece for me is reevaluating uh, what jobs are really worth. You know, when we think back to the, the government's response to top up um, certain salaries, uh, I think of the, the salaries of our nurses, but also of so many people who are continuing to work uh, through the crisis at minimum wage levels. Um, you know, are we going to change the way we value certain types of work? So the recovery project that you're part of as, as Canada 2020 plays a huge role for me in that uh, you as a, you know, as an institution, but also as thinkers are able to inform government and, and actually, you know, help civil society, civil society as a whole come to terms with where they would like to see Canada going. Um, I talk a lot, uh, last week I, uh, I spoke in the house about building back better. What does building back better mean for Canadians? Does it mean more environmental um, measures? Does it does it mean a greater uh, you know self consciousness about our planet? Um, what does it mean in terms of social justice and and economically, of course, you know where do we want to see the Canadian economy go uh, from here? And I think uh, all of that represents you know a huge exciting opportunity for Canadians that we get to decide this together. Well, Rachel Van Dyen, um, I can't think of a better place to leave it than there. Um, I think if uh, people want to 
reach out to you or reach out to your office if they've got a specific question either about something that you have proposed or is in motion or is uh, coming up what's the best way for people to uh, get in touch with you in your office all of my information is online. Um, you can reach me anytime, day or night by email at uh, rachel.bendayan at parl.gc.ca. I uh, love to speak uh, directly to entrepreneurs and small business owners, landlords and tenants uh, to, to hear about how the programs are going and, and of course respond to any questions anybody might have with respect to small business. So please feel free. Rachel, thank you so much for taking some time for us today. Thank you so much, Alex. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much to Rachel for joining me today. And thanks so much to you for listening. If you want to stay in touch with The Recovery Project, you can do that by visiting us at recoveryproject.org. And if there's someone in your world that you think would enjoy our work, share this podcast with them. It helps a lot. On behalf of the teams at Canada 2020 Global Progress and the Institute of Fiscal Studies and Democracy, thanks for listening and stay safe.